Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Ah, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. Welcome to Belly Up Sports, MD's fantasy football show. Now for your host, Dan Mater. And how's it going, MD Nation? And welcome back to the show. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show, or the Belly Up Sports' MD's Fantasy Football Show, I should say. And of course, as always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. And we're back again today with the week uh, part two team profile series. We're going to be talking about the 49ers. We're going to be talking about the Chargers. We're going to be talking about the Packers. And we're going to be talking about the Steelers in today's episode. And just like last week, we got four great interviews lined up for you guys to give us some insider knowledge to these teams, some insider uh, insight, I guess you could say, into the fantasy value of the players of these teams or what the circumstances, what the rotations, what their fit within the play scheme is going to be this season or what their expected development is this season. Everything basically you need to know to get prepared for your drafts, know exactly who is in position right now with their team to make that next jump or what is the expectation of their volume going to be this season with the team itself rather than just me or any other fantasy analysis who's who's just trying to, you know, objectively and be able to give you from a, a logical standpoint what they think it's going to be, get some actual insider knowledge on what the team itself is expecting as of now. Things change, of course, when we get into training camp, injuries happen, guys outplay one another. All those things are part of the game. And that's why even now in May or June now that we're, that we're basically in here now, um, it's why things can can change. So even when you have the insider here, still you have to keep in mind this is what their game plan is for now, and things may change later on, and that's what you keep listening to this show 
is all about. If you keep listening to us, we'll be able to get you guys all the information. We'll be able to keep entertaining you guys along the process here. And we're going to make sure MD Nation is the number one fantasy community when it comes to championship wins. That's what we're all about here. And we're going to make sure you get all the information, starting with today's episode, where we get some insider knowledge. Like I said, we got Grant Kahn, Sports Illustrated, all 49ers coming on with an interview. We have Mr. Joe Reedy, Associated Press at LA, coming on to talk about the Chargers. We have Andy Herman from the Packers Report going to talk about the Packers. And then, of course, the last one, Jim Wexel, Mr. Uh, publisher of the Steel City Insider himself coming on to talk about the Steelers with us uh, as the last interview of the show. So you guys, we had a great time doing these interviews. It's, they're both, uh, not both, they're all uh, pre-recorded just like they were uh, last week. And here's here's one thing, though, and we'll talk about this at the very end of the show. Uh, we are going to take a break next week, uh, I think, most likely. It's the summertime, guys. There's a million, there's a million things I got to do outside of this podcast, unfortunately. It's only going to be one week hiatus, and then we'll be back in two weeks with the third part of the team profiles. And make sure you're following us along on Twitter at BellyUpMDFFShow and, of course, on Facebook at the same username at BellyUpMDFFShow to know exactly who those insiders are going to be and when exactly that episode is going to drop, just like we do for this one every single time. Uh, before we move on to the Grant Con interview with the Sports Illustrator for all 49ers, we want to let you guys know and remind you guys the MD Nation hotline is widely available to you because as soon as these team profiles are over... And we get back into our normal content uh, heading into August, getting prepared for those drafts. We are going to have a mailbag segment again. We are going to be interactive with you guys. We are going to be getting to your questions, getting to your draft prep. And we're going to, we want to have you on the show to talk about it. We want to give you your voice, your time to shine. So make sure you call the MD Nation hotline, 609-362-2480. You can call that any time of day and leave a message, a comment, a question, a rant. Whenever you want it to be, we'll get you on the show once these team profile series is over. And I will still get back to you for now. In the meantime, if you have a question for me, especially in Dynasty Leagues, you might need to know something right now. I will definitely get back to you in the meantime. The same thing goes for Twitter and Facebook. Like again, at Belly Up MDFF Show. If you go on there, leave a question, I will get back to you and you will be eligible for the mailbag segment once we come back. You can always email me directly, mdsfantasyfootball at gmail.com. All of that is widely available to you guys. So now, on the flip side of this, we're going to get right into the interview with Mr. Grant Kahn of Sports Illustrated. I hope you guys all enjoy it and we'll talk to you again at the very end of the episode. MD Nation, welcome in for our first interview for today's episode. We have Mr. Grant Kahn on the MD Nation hotline. He is the 49ers beat writer and publisher of Sports Illustrated, all 49ers. You can follow him on Twitter at Grant Kahn, and I highly recommend you do that because he constantly has great little facts and tidbits coming out on his Twitter feed as I follow him along to keep update on everything going on as well. Grant, first of all, how are you doing? Is, are you and your family able to stay healthy during these times? Yeah, so far we're doing okay. Taking it one day at a time, doing just fine. How about you? Uh, we're doing we're doing pretty good here as well. No no complaints. Just being as safe as as, uh, as we possibly can be. Um, I mean, with everything going on and, and being out there in California, and everything the rules a little bit more uh, stingy. How have you been able to keep your your pulse on the teams thus far? Well, the team has graciously, or not so graciously, mandated by the league, made players available on Zoom conference calls every week. So we've talked to about three or four different people. And the 49ers players are, are usually so down-to-earth and helpful. They've explained everything that's going on. So 
to the extent that they're doing things, we understand what they're up to and, and we're abreast of the current information. That, that's great. And yeah, I'm glad they've been able to access that. And uh, at least everyone's still able to do their jobs. And that's been the most important thing, especially since, you know, the hope is maybe football is the one sport that we can all hope that we'll be able to start on time and we'll get a full season out of where everybody else kind of got interrupted due to the timing of this entire uh, situation. But we brought you in here today because we want to talk to the 49ers. We're, you know, fancy football. We want to know what these guys are going to be doing, what their outlooks are going to be like. And uh, just, just, you know, what are your ideas, first and foremost, being that this is, you know, Kyle Shanahan we're talking about. What's the rotation at Packfield going to be? Because that has to be the number one fantasy football question, especially in everybody's mind. Yeah, and I wish I had a good answer for you. I mean, <laughs> I could tell you who the best running backs are on the team, but that's not exactly how the decision is made. I mean, a lot of it is what who Kyle Shanahan likes the best, who he trusts. And for whatever reason, that's Tevin Coleman. Love Tevin Coleman. They're paying him the most of, of the running backs on the team. Um, I guess the way I look at it is the way Raheem Mostert finished last season, they can't deny that he's the best player on the team. They have to give him a chance to start. Um, so I think that he will probably begin the season as a starter and get about um, 13 to 14 carries a game with Coleman backing him up. But you could even argue that the backup Jeff Wilson Jr. is better than him. So I guess they'll have to sort that out a little bit in training camp. But it's not it's not a very fun uh, backfield to, to draft from because it's a committee. But Raheem Mostert should be fantastic. I mean, he averaged 5.6 yards per carry last season, and then that went up in the playoffs against better opponents with an increased workload. So he should he should have an opportunity to start and have 1,000 yards or more. Um, I wouldn't touch Coleman because I'm not even sure he's the third, the second, the second best running back on the team. You want Mostert. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's the way I've been leaning as well. But yeah, it's a nightmare because we all know Kyle Shanahan could decide, hey, you know what? I'm going to go with a different flavor this week just, just because I can. Because uh, he, <laughs> he likes to do that from time to time. Um, yeah. So that, that's always going to be a nightmare. I think one of the things that it falls back on is could we actually see the passing attack maybe take a step up? Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, specifically in a situation, cut, now he's two years removed from his ACL injury. Does he have a chance to see his production now increase? Will he be a little bit more aggressive if he has that, you know, further back in his, in his mental, in the mental mind? Well, it's possible. As you said, he's more experienced further away from that injury. Um, the issue is he lost to Manuel Sanders. Sanders was a vet. They had chemistry right away. Um, and the reason Sanders worked is because he came from the Broncos who were using the same uh, offensive terminology as the 49ers, same exact stuff. So he, he, he hit the ground running. The 49ers have very dense terminology, like the plays are like a paragraph. So it takes rookies a while just to figure it all out and be able to know where to line up after hearing the play in the, in the huddle. I mean, Debo Samuels talked about it. He came on in November and December. Uh, Dante Pettis has talked about it. Um, so Emmanuel Sanders' rookie, uh, his replacement is a rookie named Brandon Ayuk, who may be great, but I, I would expect that he might start slow. So it's going to be interesting to see how Jimmy does without Sanders early, because Jimmy really came into his own with Sanders last year. And one of the reasons they traded for Sanders is they felt their receivers weren't good enough and that they were holding Jimmy back. So it'll be interesting to see if the same thing happens next year, and if it does, if the Niners will feel compelled to make another trade for a veteran at the deadline, because that comes early. You don't get a lot of chance, a lot of time to, to look at your roster and see how things shake out. 
I mean, yeah, because you're only, you know, what, week eight, week nine, you got the trade deadline, so you pretty much have to make a decision uh, right then and there what you're going to have for the rest of the season. Uh, but following, following up on that with, with Brandon Ayuk, as you brought him up there, um, I happen to be a 49ers fan. I wasn't crazy about them trading up for Brandon Ayuk. What, what was your feeling? What was your analysis on that? Um, yeah, I felt that was a mistake. Uh, that's the mistake you see from a team that's run by a head coach that probably isn't as plugged into the league as uh, bona fide general managers. And that's no knock on on the Niners because they've built their team up very well. But they thought that the Dolphins were going to take Brandon Ayuk. The Dolphins didn't draft a wide receiver in the entire draft. Right. Then they thought maybe the, the Packers would trade up for, for Brandon Ayuk. They took a quarterback. They didn't want, and then they took a running back after that. So they, I think the Niners' intel was off. They probably could have just hung back at uh, 31 and gotten Ayuk there. But we'll never know for sure. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point because because they took Brandon Ayuk, so he wasn't an option on the board. I But to your point, no one else wanted to take in a wide receiver. T. Higgins was considered one of the top guys, and he didn't go until the beginning of the second round. So, uh, yeah, I, I wasn't crazy about that, but that's one of those things that happens. Um, speaking on the wide receiver, speaking on a fantasy level, what's the ceiling that you can expect from maybe a Debo Samuel who probably projects as of now to be the number one wide receiver unless they make a move, like you're saying, for a veteran? Yeah, I mean, if you go back and look at his numbers from about mid-season on and prorate him for an entire season, and you can include his postseason production, he he was playing last season at a Pro Bowl level, like uh, 1,000 receiving yards and 400 rushing yards. He he could really put up 1,400 all-purpose yards next season, uh, partially because he's good and partially because Shanahan loves him. Right. That's the key. It's like you have to look at the combination of talent and what Shanahan thinks because a lot of the Niners players are talented. And he all, doesn't always decide who gets the touches based on who has the best numbers. It's, it's more what he – his opinion of you. Um, so this player meets both criteria. A.K.A. Dante Pettis, right? Because I feel like Dante Pettis has a lot of talent and yet he can't seem to get on the field. Um, I think there's a lot to do with Shanahan not really having a great opinion of him. Speaking to that, though, who do you think is going to be the starter on the other side? Is that going to be Brandon Ayuk? Could we even hmm. see Jalen Hurd mixed in? I mean, there's there's some options there. Yeah. Debo Samuel started week one as a rookie, and Brandon Ayuk's a first-round pick. So the plan is for him to start week one. Uh, I would imagine he will start week one. I don't know if he's going to be a big-time consistent producer uh, week one, but I think they're probably going to put him on the field because if it's not him, it's Kendrick Bourne. Uh, and I I'm not even sure Kendrick Moore is going to make the team. I mean, he, he's probably going to have to take a pay cut just to make it, or they'll trade him. Yeah, I, I agree with that as well. Because I, I don't. That's going to be an interesting situation, especially because you have to get Jalen Hurd out there too. I mean, they've been big on this guy. You know, they had a red shirt for a year, but you have to figure if they want him on the field as well. So you have them either Dante Pettis. In my mind, either Dante Pettis or Kendrick Bourne are going to wind up being off of this team in, in some shape or form once we get through training camp. That's that's my idea. Uh, the big star of this offense is George Kittle. And just you know, can he be? Can he have even a bigger year this year than last year? Mary redeemed a fifty thousand dollar cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun with over eighty casino style games to choose from. You too could win life changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to chumbacasino.com and give them a world. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. He could, absolutely. I mean, he's only had 12 touchdowns in his entire career, 
which is silly because he should have 12 touchdowns a season. Uh, and I think he would if he were on a team like the Chiefs or I don't know. I, he, he definitely can can produce more. But the thing about George Kittle, um, don't forget that they the Niners haven't given him his contract extension yet. Uh, I sort of assume that would happen by now. And I think we all assume it'll happen before the season. But if it doesn't, I mean, as his agent, his agent should tell him to hold out until he gets a new deal because he's going to be playing for like a million dollars and he, he needs to get like 17 million a season. He can't get hurt uh, playing for this little amount of money they owe him. And it's, it's just strange that they haven't paid him yet. I get the feeling that he wants to be paid like a wide receiver and they want to pay him like a tight end. And that's a big issue. So I, I, I still assume they're going to, they're going to, Pay him, but things could get weird, and that's something to have in the back of the mind, when, the back of your mind when you draft uh, Kittle. Yeah, I agree. It's kind of like a Jimmy Graham situation, right? Where because you know Jimmy wanted to get paid yep. more like an offensive weapon, and 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 Saints didn't yep. really want to. I hope that it does not end in the same result that the Jimmy Graham situation did. I mean, I would have to think that being George Kittle is you know far and above the best player on that team. You would think there has to be at least a deal that gets done in some shape, way. Or fashion. Well, Spe- well, let me let me just caution you right there. The Niners did trade uh, DeForest Buckner, who, in my opinion, is every bit as good as George Kittle, and actually younger than Kittle, which most people don't know. Um, and so, uh, what I would, the way I would interpret that is, that's it's a message to Kittle and his agent. They're saying, look, guys, uh, make be, be reasonable, strike a compromise because we just shipped DeForest Buckner out of town, and don't think we won't do it to you either. To me, that's the message. And I'm sure the, that Kittle and his agent uh, heard it loud and clear. Uh, that's an interesting point. And that also was kind of combined with they had also had Eric Armstead that they needed to sign as as well. Um, I, obviously, Armstead, they, he signed for cheaper than Buckner would have had they kept him. Right. There's nothing like that on the right. offensive side of the ball. So you, you think, but you still think it's the same situation. Well, I mean, the Niners did try to sign Austin Hooper, who ended up signing for $10 million a year. So it seemed like they might have been looking for that cheaper option kind of like well if, if do we pay DeForest Buckner 21 million or Armstead 17 do we pay Kittle 17 million or Hooper 10 it seemed like they were doing that kind of uh math this offseason but they didn't pull the trigger on any of those tight ends and so you figure they're committed to Kittle but where's the contract extension I'm still waiting on that and, and it's every day that it goes by that they haven't gotten it done is, is strange to me because it seems like that should be priority number one yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree with that as well. And just just one last thing on George Kittle because you brought him up with the, with the touchdowns and everything, and and the wide receivers being a little bit iffy in the red zone. I would I would say at the least is the way they set up. Uh, I got to think there's going to be an emphasis to get him more touchdowns this year. No, I would think so, but you never really understand what Kyle wants to do. I mean, if they're having a contract dispute and uh, they want to lower Kittle's value, an easy way to do that is not throwing the ball in the red zone. And teams have done that to players for decades. I mean, when the Raiders were having contract disputes with Marcus Allen, they just wouldn't give him the ball in the red zone, just to spike themselves. So maybe, uh, you know, Shanahan says, I'd rather feature Kendrick Bourne and Dino Samuel in the red zone. Just like he (laughs) says he'd rather feature Kevin Coleman than Raheem Mostert for whatever reason. So I just don't know how, how Kyle Sanahan thinks. Well, no, I do. He thinks that he can make anyone good. Anyone. He, he thinks he made George Kittle great. Remember, Kittle was a fifth-round pick who caught like seven passes in college. Yeah. Uh, great, great athlete, but a lot of it is, in, in, I'm sure in Shanahan's mind, you know, scheming him into wide open spaces. And I think he thinks he can do that with just about everyone. So instead of uh, giving a former fifth-round pick 
$20 million a season, maybe he can redistribute those targets and give it, uh, take away some of Kittle's value. I, I, this is a little bit of conspiracy thinking, uh, conspiracy theory thinking, but it's the kind of stuff that does happen in the business of the NFL. I mean, I I love that point, especially the point about Kyle Shanahan believing that he makes everybody great. I one thousand percent agree that that has always always yeah. been his mindset everywhere he's been. Uh, maybe even the Falcons when when Julio and Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman are already great there. He probably thought he had a lot to do with that there too. Because I I definitely agree. That's and I think it bothered was. him that that people said like, oh well, he did it with Julio Jones and Matt Ryan. I think that always bothered him. I think he felt like, well, come on, let me get another chance where I can show that it's not just two guys. I, you know, I don't, I don't disagree with that at all. Um, last question about the team, uh, because you know, fantasy football, a lot of people are still playing with defense and special teams. 49ers obviously going to at least be expected to be one of the top ones again. We talked about Buckner a little bit. Is Kinlaw an adequate replacement for Buckner? And do you think this defense will be able to put up similar production that they did last season? I think adequate is the perfect word, and I think similar is, is a is a fair expectation. He's not a one to one replacement. Buckner was the seventh pick in the draft. And in retrospect, that was too low. He should have been top five, top three. Um, he only got better after getting picked. He's good in every way. He produces. He's durable. He's a leader. I mean, he's, he's everything you want. And he's just turned 26. His best football is in front of him. That's a tough loss. Uh, they replaced him with a guy who was a mid-first-round pick. Good player. Uh, played in junior college. Didn't, I mean, he had like 10 sacks in college. Buckner had 10 sacks his senior year. Not the same thing. I would compare Kinlaw more to Armstead, who has developed into quite a player. Um, and I think that Kinlaw could as well. But I, I wouldn't expect Kinlaw as a rookie to really be anything close to what Buckner is right now. Yeah, I mean, th- that's fair, right? Buckner's been great, and he's at the point where he's a veteran, to your point. He's still in his, his very much in his prime. Uh, and Kinlaw's going to be a rookie, right. so we're going to have to see. There's going to definitely be some kind of drop-off in that in that area. Right. Um I do think at the end of the day, the 49ers defense should be top seven defense. I don't, I don't necessarily want to say top five oh, this no season, uh, just because I do have some questions about the secondary and them being able to stay healthy, yeah. especially with Richard Sherman. So I don't necessarily want to say top five, but top seven, I think that, that they still should be right there because you're still going to have probably the best, at least one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. Also, they're dependent on Nick Bosa playing another full 16-game schedule. Yeah, uh, he did it last year. It was great. I mean, he was fantastic last year. But I think I was surprised that he played every game. I think in retro, people forgot, have forgotten how many injuries he had in college, and how persistent that issue was for him. If he can make, if he gets hurt next season and misses games, that that defense could take a big step back. Uh, you know, every time D Ford missed time, the defense wasn't quite the same. So without Buckner, they're really going to need Ford and and Bosa to be durable. Yeah, I mean that that is gonna was gonna come down to. Uh, Grant, thank you for coming on. Before we let you go, well, actually, I, before we let you go for that, um, I do end every interview with this this one question because I'm trying to get a consensus from from you guys, the insiders. What's your personal feelings about the season being able to start on time this year? Um, <laughs> I basically feel like if anyone can figure this out in the world, it's the NFL. Okay. Um, if anyone can find a way to profit off of this misery, it's the NFL. Uh, it's basically like secular religion to be crass. I mean, it, it kind of, I mean, that's how seriously people take it in, in America. And I just don't think people will put up with not having football on Sundays, even if they don't get to go to the games. Um, 
So there's a lot of money at stake. I think they'd be willing to play the games in front of no fans because of how huge those national television contracts are. And maybe I'm just personally rooting for it because I cover the the sport professionally and it'd be very hard to not have a season. But I just have a a feeling like they'll they'll figure it out, even if they have to push back uh, the start of the season a month or so. Okay. I mean, I, I, I hope you're right. I, I hope it starts on time. I hope we have yeah. everything, we, you know, access to us. And I hope it's safe to do so at that point, too. I don't want to do it recklessly I, uh, either. Um, before we let you go, please let everybody know where to follow you at again. And give us something that maybe you're working on right now that people can look forward to and go check out. Okay. Uh, well, I, I'm working for Sports Illustrated right now. All 49ers, you can check me out online at, on Twitter at Grant Cohn. And this weekend, I'm going to be doing a film breakdown of Richard Sherman, his strengths and weaknesses. He's just coming off uh, a Pro Bowl season. He was fantastic. Uh, got, ex- got exposed to an extent at the end of the playoffs. And I think people are kind of wondering, like, how could he have played so well, but also have been such a, uh, a weakness at those key moments? Like, what does he do well? And, and what weaknesses does he have now at this, this advanced stage in his career? Uh, and I can show exactly how... Uh, what teams saw and how they exploited it late in the season and what that means for 2020. So I'm going to be working on that this weekend. That sounds great. I'm definitely going to be checking that out. Uh, Sounds fantastic. Grant, thank you so much for making the time to come on to the show today. We really appreciate it. And we hope to talk to you again uh, sometime in the future. My pleasure. Take care. Thank you. And that was Mr. Grant Kahn of Sports Illustrated for the 49ers. I hope you guys enjoyed that interview. Next up, we're going to be talking to Joe Reedy. Associated Press in LA. We're going to talk about the Chargers with him, and I can't wait to get into that. But before we do, I got to talk to you guys about Belly Up Fantasy Sports. www.bellyupfantasysports.com, your one stop shop for all fantasy sports and sports money making endeavors. They have all your articles that you could possibly want to help you with your drafts and get prepared and get some entertainment and get some insight going. And they also have all the episodes for this show, video episodes. And of course, you can click on the MD Sony Football Show that's on there and get to the audio versions as well, which is available on iHeart, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, you name it. We're widely available for uh, you guys. So make sure you go ahead and check out Belly Up Fantasy Sports. My uh, rankings and projections are going to be up there probably within the next month, I would say, at the rate that we're going. So make sure you keep your eyes on that and check them out as soon as you can. All right, MD Nation, we are back here on the MD Nation hotline. We have Mr. Joe Reedy calling in. He is the award-willing L.A. Associated Press sports writer. You can find him on Twitter, at Joe Reedy. He's an absolutely great follow. Everything that you need to know about what's going on, especially with the Chargers, which is why he's calling in today. But, Joe, how are you? How's your family? You guys able to stay safe during these times? Uh, Doing good. I mean, things in California slowly opening back up and uh, a little bit of signs of life. But I think the fact that the governor has allowed professional teams a pathway to opening where a couple weeks ago we thought that uh, the possibility of any live sports in the state uh, this year would be uh, a uh, tough proposition is uh, encouraging. So knock on wood, uh, hopefully uh, late July, early August, training camps will start and we'll be uh, raring to go. Yeah, it's starting to be a good sign there. And it was, you know, it was California, New Jersey, Pennsylvania recently. It seems like one by one, the states are kind of getting in line with the same mentality of let's do what we got to do to let uh, professional sports figure out a way to come back and come back hopefully safely. And uh, I don't know about you, but I, I'm definitely dying for the entertainment, if nothing else. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so we brought we brought you in here today to talk about the Chargers. We want to know, you know, what's you know some of some of their fantasy relevant players. What can we expect? And of course, I mean, it all starts with the quarterback position and the Chargers being in a, in a situation where they drafted a guy very early on in the first round, but the coaching staff seems to be uh, very much supportive of Tyrod Taylor. What is your take on that situation? Do you think Tyrod Taylor has an actual legitimate chance to hold on to the position all season long? I think a lot of it depends on injuries, but I think that the fact that he has worked with Anthony Lynn in the past uh, in Buffalo, they were somewhat successful in 2016 running that offense, and Anthony uh, got elevated to offensive coordinator after things with Greg Roman didn't work out, and they, you know, he, he played solid. Uh, more touchdowns than interceptions. Completion percentage was up, and I think with what Lynn wants to do with a balanced offense and a little bit of a power running game, I think he works out. And I know there's questions about the offensive line and everything, but the fact that Tyrod is a more mobile quarterback, I think definitely uh, definitely helps with the with the line situation. And this this might be the best. Uh, position of uh, skill position players that he has had with the receivers, uh, definite receiving tight end and Hunter Henry. And then with some, uh, with some help in the running game, I think he's certainly well equipped. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. Yeah, I mean, all the all the pieces are in place really for this to be a very successful offense, and he does have that history with Anthony Lynn in the past. Uh, I mean, if they do some similar stuff to what they did together in Buffalo, uh, which was moving the pocket quite a bit and do a lot of play action rollouts, I agree with you that the his ability to get outside the pocket will help with that offensive line. May not be under as much pressure as a Philip Rivers would have been uh, in the same set of circumstances like we saw a season ago. Um, one of the interesting things that they did do, they brought back Austin Eckler, they let Melvin Gordon go, and they, you know, they drafted uh, Joshua Kelly, I believe it was, and, and of course they still have Justin Jackson on, on the team. What kind of rotation do you see there being at the running back position? Will Austin Eckler really be the guy, or is there going to be a three-man carousel with Eckler getting most of the passing work? It'll, it'll be a three-man carousel, but I think that Eckler will be more of the featured back. He saw that he was certainly capable of doing that the first four games that Gordon didn't play, especially that Indianapolis game. Do I expect him to have 92-93 catches again? I doubt it, but it could probably be in the 70-75 to range. I think you've got to look um, 
that first game against Denver, he had 15 catches, which I think is the most that a running back has had in close to uh, 30 to 40 years. So that uh, elevated the numbers a little bit, but I think you see what he can do with yards after the catch and the fact that he was seven, eight yards short of 1,000 yards. I think that can be duplicated. And what he can what he can do running running outside, I think certainly in terms of a yards per yards from scrimmage guy, he's definitely got potential to be you know top eight, top ten. Justin Jackson, there's an injury concern. I mean, the first couple seasons he hasn't been able to stay consistently on the field. He made the most of his chance in that game against Pittsburgh a couple of years ago, but since then there really hasn't been much consistency out of them because of the injury. Joshua Kelly, a very good between the tackles type back in much of the same vein as Melvin Gordon. We didn't get to see him catch the ball out of the backfield as much as UCLA just because of Chip Kelly's scheme and everything. But in terms of a uh, two to three down back or a short yardage back, I think he certainly fits that bill well. Yeah, I mean, they definitely have a lot of, you know, specialty players to kind of fill out the different roles that they should you know, need on uh, out there in the game situations. I, I mean, are you worried at all a little bit? Because Tyrod, you know, he doesn't have that history of checking it down to the running back. But this is, you know, he also hasn't had somebody like Austin Eckler. Uh, how do you think those two things will kind of balance each other out? I, th- I think it'll eventually, it'll eventually get there in time. Um you know, I look at Tyrod in 2018 at Cleveland with with everything that was going on with politics and behind the scenes and everything, and I don't know if that was a uh, optimum situation to, to, to evaluate him with. Uh, you know, I think Buffalo with having uh, Shady McCoy and some of the stuff he was able to do with that, maybe there's a possibility of of more of that type of type stuff happening. Yeah, and we could we could I definitely could see that as well. Um, moving on to what you said with you know all the pieces in place, starting with the you know those wide receivers. One of the reasons why this offense could really be highly productive uh, if things go well. But will they be as productive as they were with Philip Rivers? I think that's the question on everybody's mind. Starting with you know Keenan Allen, who is just a, an absolute target monster. What do you think the quarterback change will mean for him? I think with Keenan, I don't know if he will be the top option. I think I think it'll possibly, but I think you know, with as many skilled players as this team has, it's trying to distribute things. Which you know, at times Keenan's had a couple of good games and then been lost in a couple of games and. You know, has a has a possibility of bouncing back. I think the fact that if we can get a a healthy Hunter Henry the entire year, which is something that we haven't seen since 2017, that will definitely help. And Mike Williams, with he's not much of a speed guy, but with what he was able to do with the uh, long receptions and everything last year, definitely, definitely helped uh, open things up. Yeah, just to kind of touch on that, especially with Hunter Henry, has he done anything maybe differently in his workout that you know about that might help him stay healthy for an entire season? I mean, I know he's, he's remained in Orange County and is working out. I think possibly with him, the fact that 
there aren't on-field workouts right now might be a good thing. Two years ago in OTAs, unfortunately, he suffered a knee injury. But I think the biggest concern with Hunter, and I think probably with a lot of these receivers or cornerbacks when we do get things started up again, is I remember when we came out of the lockout in 2011, there were a lot of Achilles injuries around the league. So trying to... Um, regulate that and who knows how training camp practices are going to be whether there will be a limit to one period of 11 on 11 whether it'll be specialized and half speed like it is in OTAs but it does the training camp that way I think is something that we have to watch yeah I mean I think that's going to be I mean this that that's going to be the key really with a lot of players is off season just how it's how it's going to be different and who was able to able to work out and able to stay, you know, well into shape going into straight, what's going to probably be going straight into training camp to, uh, to your point, uh, touching a little bit on Mike Williams. He had over a thousand yards last year, but we know that this is a guy who should be, you know, using the red zone. I would think a little bit more. Uh, do you think that with, with Tyrod now and his mobility and what he brings that he might actually get a more of those touchdowns, maybe less of a big down the field threat guy, maybe more of a guy who gets involved in that area of the field. Yeah, I think his touchdowns will definitely go up this year. I think he didn't get – it was strange. He was getting all these long receptions and uh, yardage, but it wasn't showing up, it wasn't showing up as far as, as, far as uh, touchdowns. But I definitely think that that will be something that I think those numbers will definitely uh, trend upward this year. Uh, that's the big hope because I, I myself, along with a lot of other people in, in the fantasy football side of things, was really expecting a big jump uh, for Mike Williams. And I mean, it wasn't like he wasn't a productive receiver; he was, but it was just the touchdowns. You want you wouldn't expect four touchdowns out of a guy like Mike Williams. I think this is a very good, very good, talented guy, especially from a physical standpoint. And uh, I mean, even if Herbert were to take over at some point during the season. You know, I, I still think that he would be a guy that they would have more of a focus on getting into the red zone. At least, at least I would hope so, especially given his talent. Um, you know, one of the things that I think the Chargers did really, really well this offseason was adding to that defense. And that defense actually has a legitimate chance to be scary. And, and with fantasy football, you know, defenses and special teams, they kind of get looked over a little bit. But this is, a, this is a defense that I think that has a chance to be a top five. What's your take on what they've been able to do so far? I think they've added some good pieces. Uh, my concern still with this unit is depth. Um, defensive line, definitely strong with what they were able to Lindell Joseph, good dependable run stopper in the middle, which I think will definitely help. I think they definitely upgraded a linebacker with the selection of Kenneth Murray and also getting Nick Vigil in free agency. Those are guys that can play all three spots. Which, which they definitely need. Uh, Drew Tranquil should also have a solid second season. I think when you look at the Chargers rookies from last year, really Tranquil is the only one that stands out. Hopefully Jerry Tillery will continue to mature and develop in his second year on that defensive line. But I still think with that linebacker group, they upgraded, but depth is still a concern. And let's face it, they also need a a healthy Derwin James, and hopefully he can bounce back just with what he is able 
to do all all over the field and you know getting somebody like Chris Harris who the cornerback will go back to being matched up as a slot uh, corner against uh, the top receivers in AFC East and who else they have to face definitely upgraded the secondary also. Yeah, I, well, like, yeah, I agree with everything you said because it's that is the key depth, right? Because this this is a team that's just had a really rough go at staying healthy uh, in general. I mean, that's I feel like that's on, on both sides of the ball. That's really the question mark for the Chargers. Like, this is a top notch playoff team, a, a true contending team that just needs to stay healthy. needs needs to catch a break, in, in my opinion. Uh, I know, especially you guys covering them out there, must uh, must feel the same same way. Uh, Joe, before we let you go, the uh, one question that I do ask everybody, you kind of touched on a little bit at the beginning of the interview, is uh, what what's your feeling on the season having, being able, I should say, to start on time this year? I think, I think it'll start on time. I think that the fact over the past couple of weeks in New York, California, Texas, a lot of those big states have paved the way to have a path to opening has definitely has definitely uh, been a benefit. I know there were concerns just in California, and you have people looking at the schedule like, were the Rams going to have to go to Arizona? Were the Chargers going to have to go to Vegas and play their games? And I think a lot of people forget is that uh, Dan Kroenke's uh, new uh, jewel of a stadium when they paved the plans back in 2015, it actually was supposed to open last year. And when they were doing the big dig and everything with the rain and stuff, it immediately got delayed to 2020. And I think that's one reason why the, why the cost of ballooned uh, a little bit. It's not the only thing, but you had a project that's delayed a year. There's definitely going to be a lot of overruns. So Getting that stadium open, uh, the new stadium in Vegas. There's there's a lot of excitement here out west. What we see fans probably the first month or first month and a uh, month and a half. I doubt it, but maybe the possibility that the second half of the season they return. Uh, I think would uh, definitely be a good thing. Yeah, I mean that's what I'm really hopeful for. I, I know everybody is as well. Um, things are starting to be more positive. You know, I was I was asking this question to, to some guys like yourself who cover these teams and or a couple, few just a few weeks ago, and it was I have to say it was mostly negative then, and, and the uh, the narrative on that has has changed a little bit. And let's hope that that continues in the in the positive direction. Joe, you've been an absolutely uh, great guest. Just uh, let the people know, you know, where they can contact you at or follow you at, and what's something that maybe you're working on now that we can all look forward to checking out soon. Uh, follow me at, on Twitter at Joe Reedy, J-O-E-R-E-D-D-Y. Basically right now, kind of just been working on some off-season league stuff. I know I had today EA Sports and the uh, league has uh, extended their uh, man deal through uh, 2026, which will definitely help the gamers out. But, uh, you know, in, the, in light of everything going on with uh, the pandemic and everything, kind of, you know, we're just, the league at least has some experience with the lockout going through, starting right up with training camp. I think the Zoom meetings have helped, but I think we're all like everybody else, just wondering when this thing starts back up about uh, how the quality of football will be the first month or so. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Shopify presents cool sheets from aha to lying awake while you bake isn't cool. I suffered from the wrong kind of hot in bed, heat induced insomnia. That was my aha moment. Bed sheets that keep you cool. Then I thought, how do I even sell bed sheets? That's when I had the idea that made it all possible. Signing up on Shopify. With the help of Shopify's intuitive online store creator, I started selling sustainable bamboo sheets that keep cool year-round. And my cool idea became a reality. Hot sleepers around the world rejoice. Shopify makes it simple to keep your cool while starting and growing your business. Start selling with Shopify today and join the commerce platform powering millions of businesses worldwide. From aha to anything is possible. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22 shopify.com slash free 22. Yeah, that's, that's, that's going to be an interesting thing to watch, uh, especially in September. Well, Joe, thank you for taking the time to come on the show. I hope that we can talk to you again at some point in the future and please uh, continue to be safe. No problem. Take care. Thank you. And that was Mr. Joe Reedy of the Associated Press in L.A. for the Chargers. I hope you guys enjoyed that interview. Next coming up is going to be Andy Herman of the Packers Report, talking about, of course, the Packers. But before we get into that, I want to talk to you guys about one of our sponsors called Prop Me. It's a new innovative gaming platform and really the first of its kind. Prop Me makes betting from person to person more easy than ever. Designed for new and experienced gamblers alike using straightforward prop bets that can literally be created on anything. Want to bet on what the next play is going to be? Then create a prop. You want to bet on who's going to win that game of beer pong? Then create a prop. It takes hanging out with your friends to a whole new level. So join today by downloading the app PropMe or go to PropMeLLC.com. And next up now is Andy Herman of the Packers Report. What's going on, MD Nation? All right, we are here with Mr. Andy Herman for this next interview. He's the writer for the Packers Report owner of the Pack-A-Day podcast, and of course, a Green Bay Nation analyst. You can find him on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL, and he is one of the best Packer uh, reporters out there that you can go to. I follow him consistently. And Andy, how are you doing? Are you guys able to stay safe through all everything that's going on really right now? Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. I always love talking to some Packers. And uh, yeah, everything's been going well. Uh, certainly a degree of difference than normal, but uh, overall, things are going well. I appreciate it. No, I'm, I'm glad they really uh, glad to hear that. I'm glad you're able to make some time to come on the show today. Uh, I'm kind of asking, I asked this question to a few other people, not everybody, but a couple. And uh, with you there, how are you doing with uh, getting players and, and getting access to everything right now? How's that? How's that going with the Zoom experience? Yeah, everything's been pretty good so far. Um, you know, the, the Packers have done a nice job of making people available. Um, they've made, uh, you know, Brian Gutekunst as well as Matt LaFleur available. Um, you know, recently they just had the coordinators available last Friday. Um, so Mike Patton and, uh, you know, the, the entire uh, coordinator staff uh, was just on last Friday. And then this week, Adrian Amos and um, Aaron Jones were on Zoom conference calls as well. So they've done a good job. There was some, 
you know, um, issues, I guess you would say, with uh, some of the media not muting their phones uh, somewhat, uh, <laughs> you know, famously uh, during the draft. And uh, there, there was constantly music and everything else uh, while stuff was going on. But they moved to Zoom and were able to mute everyone and everything's been clear sailing since then. Yeah, it kind of um, is it easier to do it through Zoom or would you just much rather be at the press conference itself? Yeah, it's a great question for me personally, because I actually have a, a day job and I don't get to devote 24 seven to <laughs> just Packer stuff. It's a million times easier because I work from home anyway. So um, I have a ton of flexibility, um, but uh, the, the drive, you know, the, the 30 minutes there and the 30 minutes back for me um, is usually what sets me back. The fact that I can just do some of those press conferences right over Zoom in the comfort of my living room, uh, that makes it a heck of a lot easier. So, no, I, I prefer that. But, uh, um, you know, obviously I'd prefer everything to be normal. But right. in the meantime, it's been, it's been nice in that regard, at least. Yeah, I mean, look, as long as you're able to do your job for now, that's that's all anybody is really hoping for at the moment. Well, Andy, while we got you here, we got to break down some of these Packers guys because there's a lot of fantasy stars on this team, but a lot of question marks at the same time, starting with, of course, you know, Aaron Rodgers, who, to his standards, really had a relatively mediocre season, including in fantasy football. And being that they didn't really add too many weapons, what do you see Aaron Rodgers, what kind of season do you see him having? Yeah, I mean, I think for the most part, the Aaron Rodgers that showed up last season has really been kind of the the Aaron Rodgers that's shown up uh, the last three or four seasons. And I think that's been pretty consistent now. You know, he's not at the height of his powers anymore. I think that's safe to say. And, you know, that's not necessarily a bad thing. He's still a tremendous quarterback. Most teams would still be, um, you know, very jealous of the, you know, the Packers and having Aaron Rodgers. But, um, you know, from a fantasy perspective, I would expect him to have a very similar season. I think going into last year, there were a lot of question marks. It was, you know, kind of, you know, okay, was the the last years of Mike McCarthy, was it because the system was stale or because, you know, he and Mike McCarthy were butting heads? Was it because some of those injuries were flaring up? Was it because he didn't have the you know players across the offensive line? There were all these kind of, uh, you know, questions that were lingering out there as to why maybe Rodgers wasn't still playing at, at kind of the height of his powers. And I think the question, uh, well, you know, they bring in Matt LaFleur, they get a new offense, Mike McCarthy's gone, you know, they fill those the, the holes that offensive guard by bringing in Elton Jenkins and Billy Turner, and they kind of fill uh, or at least answer a lot of those questions. He plays healthy in the majority of 2019. And we basically, if you go look at the stat lines, the, the stat line for Aaron Rodgers is basically almost identical from 2018 to 2019. And it was for the most part, the same quarterback. Now they were more successful. They won more games. Um, he came through in a lot of games where they needed him to come through. Um, so it's not a, a knock on Aaron Rodgers per se, but I, I just think that um, the only question that was really left to be answered was, okay, if, if they surround Aaron Rodgers with the talent that he had during the Super Bowl runs, the Donald Drivers, the Greg Jennings, the James Joneses, the, you know, so on and so forth, all the, you know, Jordy Nelsons, those type of wide receivers that he was surrounded with, again, when he was at the height of his powers, you know, could they kind of reinvent some of that magic again and could he have another one of those seasons? Well, they didn't answer that question specifically again in 2020. They basically stayed status quo um, from a weapon standpoint. They do bring in uh, a Devin Funches. Jace Sternberger will have more, uh, you know, play in the offense this year instead of Jimmy Graham. But for the most part, 
this is going to really remain the same offense. So you could say that maybe in his second year under Matt LaFleur that he's ready maybe to, to take off in that system a little bit more, as well as some of the receivers and running backs, and, and maybe it clicks at a, a level that wasn't they you know they weren't capable of in, in year one with Matt LaFleur. But outside of that, I would really expect almost a, a near image of what we've seen from Aaron Rodgers the last couple of seasons. Yeah, I'm right there in line with you. I think that, and it's unfor- I'm a big Aaron Rodgers fan, even though I'm actually really a San Francisco 49er fan when I'm not doing fantasy football. Uh, but I'm, I've always been a big Aaron Rodgers fan. And it's kind of sad to me to to think that really under this system with Matt LaFleur, I don't know if it's aggressive enough to really improve along with the weapons pretty much being status quo. So that's kind of what I expect as well. I don't know. What do you, what do you think about Matt LaFleur? Does he, can he even be aggressive enough to open up the passing game for him? Yeah, that's a really interesting question and really a perfect question for today because he was just on a local radio show um, and he was actually critical of himself. He said, you know, from an efficiency standpoint, they were good, but they were, I think, 23rd, I want to say, in creating explosive plays a season ago. Um, and LaFleur in his radio conference today or interview today basically took that upon himself, said he needed to do a better job as a coordinator to uh, find ways to have more explosive plays, take some more chances downfield. So, he, you know, it's interesting that, you know, one, he's aware of it. Two, he, he took the onus on himself. Um, and three, you can see that that's going to be a stress for them going forward. So uh, I would look for them to take more shots to try to create more explosive plays. Um, you know, uh, one of the other, you know, great Packer follows out there, Zach Cruz made a great point on Twitter today following up from that basically saying you know you know the best way uh, to create more explosive plays is by having explosive playmakers and uh you know again green bay didn't exactly go out and address that but that's not to say that they don't have you know playmakers on the team but this is not exactly you know the the 1970s 1980s green bay packers this is a a team that has aaron Rodgers uh, at quarterback they have an offensive minded coach in matt lafleur one of the best left tackles in football and really one of the better offensive lines in football aaron jones Devontae adams like they're not exactly devoid of talent across the offense so um, i do think they're going to try to get some more of those explosive plays and i think some of the onus will be on matt lafleur as as well as Aaron Rodgers and the rest of those playmakers well, and one of the things that will help, too, is can Devontae Adams stay healthy all throughout the season as well? Of course, that will help them out if he can actually be healthy for 16 games. Um, but outside of Adams, who obviously, you know, he might actually be the number two receiver overall fantasy purposes if he does stay healthy because the targets are just going to be there. But outside of him, who's going to be the number two? Is it going to be Alan Zarr? Do they want it to be Devin Funches? Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing I would say from a fantasy standpoint is uh, if you have to rely on, you know, the number two Packers receiver, you know, probably stay away, maybe go yeah. in a different direction. And, and the reason I say that is because um, I think all four of the next guys are going to get, you know, playing time. And that goes Devin Funches, Alan Lazard, Mark Lazelda, Scantling, and Equinemius St. Brown. Uh, St. Brown was out all season ago, you know, the entire season last year. I think he's going to come back and I think he's going to have a role in the offense. Um, I think Alan Lazard will start as that number two receiver, but I expect a lot of Devin Funchess as well. Um, I think Mark Lazelda Scantling has to kind of work his way uh, back to earning some of the trust of both Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers a little bit, but he also is really the one guy that kind of can really stretch the field deep and kind of be that playmaking wide receiver. And if you want a a speed guy uh, in on the offense, you, you want him on the field. Even if even if he's not performing up to task, just having a 4-3 guy on the outside who can stretch the field and keep the safety a little bit deeper and kind of aware of him 
still has value. So um, I expect all four of those guys after Devontae Adams to get playing time. And because of that, I wouldn't really trust any of them to have great fantasy seasons, but I, I do expect Alan Lazard uh, to go into the off or to go into the season um, in the remainder of this off season as the, the likely number two candidate. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of the way I was leaning towards as well as I'm going through my projections and rankings and trying to figure it out. And, uh, you know, people always talk about all the time about running back carousels. And I was like, I'm just looking at the Green Bay Packers like they're that number two wide receiver is a is a carousel in and of itself. And it's a shame because the number two wide receiver to Aaron Rodgers, no matter who it was, used to mean a great deal. But I I don't know if it has the same thing outside of maybe DFS leagues where they, one of them could pop here and there. But knowing which one's going to pop, it, it might just be a hot hand situation. So, uh, yeah, I'm glad you, I'm glad you broke that all down for us to really be able to understand that um, but speaking of the running backs and their carousel there might be one possibly in Green Bay is there an expectation that AJ Dillon's going to be involved in the rotation this season or is it still really just going to be an Aaron Jones Jamal Williams one-two punch yeah this is I think going to be one of the more interesting things to keep an eye on I, you know I think when you spend a second round pick on a running back um, that, that's a fairly premium selection for a running back. And I know some teams are still taking, you know, running backs round one, but uh, I mean, I think anything, you know, in the first two rounds for a running back is, is fairly premium. So it would be surprising if they just relegated him to number three running back and said, you know what, we'll wait until, you know, we see what happens with Jones and Williams with their contracts a season from now. Um, I definitely think, I've been in the camp for a while now that I think Jamal Williams is a solid overall back. He pass protects really, really well. He can catch the ball into the backfield. Um, he's, he's solid, uh, you know, from just from just straight up running the football. But there's nothing dynamic about his game. Um, he's not fast. He's not elusive. You know, he's basically going to kind of get some of the yards that are there for you and kind of do some of the grunt work. But um, he, he's not an explosive player. So I do think, and I know AJ Dillon kind of has this, uh, you know, power running back feel, but he was faster than Aaron Jones uh, in the 40 coming out of the draft. So, uh, and same thing, he was faster than Devontae Adams. So you look at two of the biggest playmakers on offense for Green Bay and, and Dylan was faster than both of them. So I, I definitely think that Dylan is going to play a part. I still think this is Aaron Jones, uh, you know, primary job. I think he's going to get the primary targets um, as a receiver out of the backfield. I think he's going to get the, the lion's share of the, the, the carries, but I do think AJ Dillon will have a role. And I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Jamal Williams. He's so good at pass protection on third downs and they keep that running back into pass protect really often that unless AJ Dillon shows that he's really capable of doing that from day one, uh, you would expect to have to see Jamal Williams still have some of those uh, third down responsibilities simply because of pass protection and because he can take some of those check downs um, and be a receiver out of the backfield. But um, again, I think I think you're still safe with Aaron Jones uh, being a, a primary target as a running back. And when you look at the playmakers for Green Bay, it's still going to come down to what Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams can do for the Packers offense. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, that is going to be the two big playmakers. But I'm glad you you mentioned the pass blocking issue. This is something I harp on on all my shows leading up to the draft when I was breaking down the rookies and everything like that. When it comes down to rookie running backs, the number one thing they have to be able to do is pass block. Otherwise, they might not even see the field no matter how good they are. So that is going to be a big question for A.J. Dillon, especially in in a year where there might not be OTAs. We might be going straight to training camp. We don't really know yet. Uh, so that is going to be a big factor. Can I kind of touch on that a little bit uh, with, you know, Jamal Williams is a very good pass protector. That's why he is on there uh, quite often. But Aaron Jones offers that big playmaking ability when he gets on the outside, if you're able to throw him the football. Does, is Aaron Jones going to take a little bit more of a leap in that regard? Is he going to get a little bit more receiving work than he's had in years past when both of them are healthy? Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. 
And we're Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. O'Reilly Auto Parts specializes in keeping your car on the road. Not sure how much life is left in your battery? Our professional parts people will test it for free. If it does need to be replaced, we'll help you find just the right one to fit your car. Our superstar batteries are built to handle even the toughest conditions. Visit O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised in any, in any way, shape, or form. They went from two running back sets a season ago. They actually went in a, in a couple of different two running back sets. In one situation, they used both Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones on the field at the same time. Um, and uh, sometimes they would use Jamal Williams as a lead blocker in that situation. And I definitely think that that's something, if you go back and watch uh, Boston College, they would do that with A.J. Dillon and use him as a lead blocker at times as well. So I think there are some situations where you could get both Dillon and Jones on the field at the same time. And then also, you know, in out of that formation, really be able to move AJ, uh, excuse me, Aaron Jones into the slot if you wanted to uh, from that position. So um, they started using him more as a receiver last year. What kind of happened is earlier in the season, and especially if you go back to that Kansas City game where he just had a monster game receiving, um, Kansas City and a lot of teams prior to that would match Aaron Jones up with a linebacker. And then basically after that game, that was the end of that. And teams <laughs> just went and marked him with a, a defensive back, and he wasn't quite as successful as a receiving back from there on out. So if he really wants to be that um, you know, great receiving back who you can line up in the slot, he's going to have to show that he can beat coverage against corners and safeties because otherwise, um, you know, again, he didn't have that success a season ago. And then the other formation that they used, which I'm interested in as well, is uh, later in the season, they've never really had that gadget slot receiver that they could do some of the motion stuff and the jet sweeps and things like that. So they started using Tyler Irvin, the running back, who they picked up midseason in some of those situations. And he has great speed and some of that agility. Um, and then with Aaron Jones, usually in the backfield in those situations. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if you saw Aaron Jones uh, be used in some of those slot situations, some of those gadget plays, some of those reverses and jet sweeps and things like that, and then keep A.J. Dillon in the backfield, where if you can show that Jones is a threat in that regard, going sideline to sideline, um, and really stretching the field horizontally, um, then all of a sudden it opens up some of those holes vertically, and I think you know then that's where A.J. Dillon can really succeed, gain ahead of steam, and then you end up with him one-on-one with a safety who's going to start making some really quick business decisions. So uh, I'm interested to see what they do with those backs, but some of those two running back sets I think are certainly going to be in play this season. Yeah, that is something, that's a really good point, because the backers are the one few teams that, consistently gets multiple backs involved into their offense. So that's I mean that's why Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams have been as as successful as they have been. Uh frankly, and even in fantasy purposes, Jamal Williams still had flex value while Aaron Jones was giving up, you know, RB1 type of performances because they do a good job of, of utilizing a couple of backs. Um I do think it's I do so, sometimes though uh the Saints did a really good job of that for a little while and and still kind of do to some point, but when they had three backs, I feel like they had a little bit of trouble getting really anybody in a rhythm and I'm kind of curious if that could wind up being a similar issue uh, for this team when it, in theory it could all work but a lot of times when they get three guys they have too many guys to feed it seems like they kind of get 
I don't know. I want to. I don't know what the word is. Uh, misguided or where, who they need to get the ball to in certain situations. I feel like that can sometimes be an issue. I don't know what you think about that. Yeah, I think that absolutely can be the case. I will say this as well, and I don't think this is going to happen. I think it's a slight chance that it happens, but I don't think it's completely out of the realm of possibility that Jamal Williams could get moved in some capacity before the start of the season. And the reason that I say that, of course, you're going to have Aaron Jones as running back one. Um, I think A.J. Dillon, because of his draft status, could easily take that running back two, and especially if he shows he can pass protect early. He has the physical traits to do it, and he showed it on tape. And there was more the, the mental stuff of knowing where to pick up the blitz that he's going to have to get a little bit better at. Um, but then you have Tyler Irvin, who they really liked, and is going to be their primary returner. They don't really have another guy on the roster who's a great returner. So he almost makes the team, uh, I would think, um, by default because of that. Um, and I think, you know, what he showed last year, being able to contribute as a running back, as a gadget player, as a returner, I think there's a good chance that he makes the team. And then it just takes one of the other running backs. They used a six-round pick on Dexter Williams a season ago. Um, they get a kid out of Memphis as an undrafted free agent that could be a potential player as well. Um, I think if either of those guys, either Dexter Williams um, or the kid from Memphis, whose name's escaping me at the moment, I apologize. Um, if either of those guys, um, you know, could show that they're NFL caliber running backs or take any sort of jump, you know, Jamal Williams has a two plus million dollar contract because uh, he reached his playing time incentive, so he got his cap bumped up. You know, he's on the last year of his deal. And I just think it could be a situation where, you know, if some team came offering a, a sixth or seventh round pick and they felt really good about their running back room, um, I wouldn't be shocked if they could be involved in something like that. Like I said, I don't expect it to happen, but uh, it's not totally out of the realm of possibility either. I mean, I, I like that idea because that, that would kind of make sense to me really why taking A.J. Dillon in the second round. I just felt like they were, you know, there was either an insurance policy in case they don't get the contract deal done with Aaron Jones or they were wanting to leave that door open to possibly move on maybe from Jamal Williams. So I'm glad you kind of broke that down, why that would be a possibility, because uh, that was kind of my thought heading into the season as well. Uh, but I do want to move to Jay Sternberger, and you mentioned him a little bit earlier. Uh, is he really truly ready to take that next step up? And also being a tight end in a Aaron Rodgers Packers led offense really hasn't been a very successful one since Jermichael Finley, uh, especially from a fantasy perspective. You think Starberger is ready to take that next step up and is he going to be featured enough uh, in the offense moving forward? I think that's certainly the hope. Uh, I think that they want him to be tight end one. Um, you know, Daniel Jeremiah on move the six said that he's been hearing around uh, the NFL that uh, they have you know, high expectations for Sternberger, and he labeled them as one of his breakout players of 2020. Um, I, I think the talent is there. You go back and watch the tape from later in the season last year. They started using him more. There were at least two occasions where he released downfield and got wide open, and unfortunately Rodgers just didn't see him or would have had the opportunity to convert on some big plays uh, had Rodgers located him. Um, and then late, you know, against the NFC Championship game against the Niners, he picks up a touchdown by uncovering um, a little bit uh, on kind of a broken down play a bit. Um, I think the talent there, he showed some ability to be, uh, you know, multiple in how he plays. He played some H-back, he played some fullback, he played some tight end. Um, so I think that versatility is going to, you know, really help him quite a bit. But, you know, you never quite know until some of these players get into a more full-time position to see how they're going to react. Um, I also say this. I do expect it to be a fairly heavy rotation at that position. You know, Mercedes Lewis is certainly not going to do anything from a fantasy standpoint. His, his fantasy days are well behind him, but he is a tremendous blocker and still blocked at a very high level. And because of that, he still is going to get quite a few snaps at tight end. 
Um, Robert Tanyan is a player who I think is still trying to find his niche. He, he was a, a college receiver. He was a quarterback before that. Um, and when he first came to camp, he showed that wide receiver-like ability to, at the tight end position to kind of get open and make some plays. Um, but then he had to put on weight because he had to figure out ways to block at the tight end level, and he lost some of that elusiveness. So they have to figure out a way to kind of get him at a, a weight that can help. But I still expect him to be part of that rotation, um, and I still think he's taken some steps over the last couple seasons. And then they get Josiah DeGuerra in the third round who like Sternberger can play some of that H-back, that fullback, that tight end. And I think you have some really intri- intriguing two tight end sets with Aguera and Sternberger. So I fully expect Sternberger to get the, the load of the, and, and the bulk of the playing time and the load of the snaps. But um, there's going to be a fairly heavy rotation. And again, it's just always tough to say what somebody's going to be as a full-time player until they actually get that opportunity. That is tremendous insight. And, and for this reason alone, Jay Sternberger, like a couple other tight ends out there, like a, a Blake Jarwin for the Cowboys, is getting hyped up in the fantasy world right now as like the the go-to sleeper tight end heading into this. And I, I haven't been on that bandwagon for the reasons you just said. He's not going to be on the field 24-7. There are still some questions when it comes to his blocking. To your point, Mercedes Lewis is going to be on the field quite a bit. And we still have the history with Aaron Rodgers. Like I said, besides Michael Finley, I haven't seen a highly productive tight end. So he might take the next step up. He might be the number one guy who gets targets. But I really have a hard time envisioning him getting more than, I don't know, 600, four to five touchdowns uh, this season, which would make him so-so, but not not really great, especially when you're talking about uh, uh, fantasy purposes. So, and that would definitely happen for the carousel. Uh, with the Packers, though, one of the things people want to talk about is that uh, their defense in the NFL was very, very good last year. Fantasy, actually, not so much because they didn't have a lot of sacks. They didn't have a lot of turnovers. But when you're talking about that defense, and it, it did kind of fall apart a little bit towards the second half of the season, even though they still went 13-3, and three, so it wasn't that much of a fall apart. I think some people kind of blow that out of proportion a little bit. But uh, with that defense being so young, what are some of the things that maybe you think they're going to take the next jump on? Or what are some of the things that you're possibly concerned about? Yeah, so I think there's a couple of different things. The, the talent there is tremendous. They've put a ton of resources, both through the draft and free agency, throughout the entirety of the defense. You look at safety, they signed Adrian Amos uh, to really a top-tier safety deal. They spent a first-round pick on Darnell Savage at corner. Uh, Kevin King was uh, an early second-round pick, their first pick in that draft. Jair Alexander, the first pick in his respective draft. Um, and Shannon Sullivan is a player that is still young and played at a, a relatively high level when he was on the field a season ago as a nickel corner. Um, inside linebacker, they just spent money on Christian Kirksey. Um, and then an outside linebacker, of course, massive money on Darius Smith, Preston Smith, plus a top 15 pick in Rashawn Gary. Uh, Kenny Clark's a first-round pick. You know, you just kind of go on and on, and they just gave you Lowry uh, a fairly decent extension on the defensive line as well. So they spent money, draft picks, you know, free agency resources uh, to really build that defense up. Where it can improve, um, I think the, the defensive back position is, is first and foremost. So Jair Alexander shows flashes of being a, a maybe all-pro is strong, but at least a high-level Pro Bowl cornerback, if not like a second-team all-pro you know, cornerback when he's, when he's really playing and when he's really on his game. But some of the consistency issues have been there. Kevin King shows the ability to be maybe not a, a true number one corner, but a, a top tier number two corner in the league when he's really playing at his you know highest level and when he's really showing what he's capable of. Um, and I think Chandon Sullivan, Josh Jackson, those guys are still young. Even Kadar Hallman, I think there's a lot of youth there. Darnell Savage, he shows all the ability in the world 
but made some fairly big mistakes a season ago as well. So there's a lot of youth and a lot of talent in that secondary. I think that's the first way that they can get better. Um, Rashawn Gary is another really interesting uh, piece to the puzzle, as is Kingsley Kiki, who was a fifth-round pick a season ago. Um, Kiki showed a ton of potential when he had limited snaps, and he, uh, Mike Patton in his press conference uh, last week basically said, look for Kingsley Kiki to be a lot more involved this season. Um, and I think he's a player with a lot of upside. And, of course, Rashawn Gary has it just if he can put it together or not. Um, and if you look at ways where they could maybe disappoint, I think the, the biggest thing that you can say is that this defense is massively dependent on two players, and that's Kenny Clark, first of all. Uh, if, he, if Kenny Clark were to go down, um, I shudder to think what they would be as a run defense. This team could not stop teams when they needed to from a running standpoint a season ago with Kenny Clark on the field. They didn't do anything to address the position other than kind of counting on Kingsley Kiki to make a jump. Um, and if he were to go down for any significant period of time, uh, I just I think it's going to be really difficult for them to be able to stop the run. Plus, they lose him as a pass rusher as well. And then the other, of course, is Darius Smith, who was just beyond tremendous a season ago uh, with a, a one-man wrecking crew and, and almost – uh, more games than you probably would have liked just with how talented he was a season ago. But um, if either of those guys go down, I think the defense takes a, a significant hit, and I don't think they necessarily have uh, the players to kind of make up for that. So um, there's a lot of youth, a lot of talent, and ways that they can get better, but um, they're going to need to also stay healthy at a couple of those key positions. Yeah, I mean, they are a little bit thin, especially in those particular areas that are going to be very, very vital uh, when it comes to the pass rush and stopping the run. Andy, you've been a tremendous guest. You've given us a lot of great insight. Uh, one question I ask everybody before uh, we let them go is, what is your belief on the NFL being able to start this season on time? Yeah, I wish I, I, wish I knew. The, the thing that I'll say is this. If there is one league that I trust is going to be ultra aggressive and trying to make sure that they can start a season on time and do everything that they can to continue to be a very high profit organization. Um, I expect that to be the NFL. And uh, I just think that that's kind of their operating procedure. I think they've been incredibly lucky in the fact that they finished their season right before everything yeah. you know, sort of hits. And uh, they're going to get the benefit of really being able to see what, the, what Major League Baseball does, what hockey does, what uh, the NBA does, um, you know, probably what some of the, the hockey or excuse me, the soccer teams overseas do as well. So um, I, I think they're really in a great position, but I would be shocked if they didn't push the envelope as far as possible um, in comparison to all of the leagues, because I, I just think that's kind of their operating procedure. And unless there's something legal um, or, you know, you know, cities are shutting down again or things like that, where it says, hey, you, you can't play games or you can't do something, um, I expect them to be as full go as they possibly can be, right or wrong or indifferent. I don't know, but I, I just kind of expect that to be the case. Yeah, and I'm hoping that is the case because we need some entertainment. The good thing, though, is with Stay starting to open up a little bit, there does seem to be some light at the end of that tunnel. Andy, let everybody know where they can follow you at because you're a tremendous follow and also maybe something that you're working on right now that we can all look forward to to go check out in the future. Yeah, you bet. So uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. That's where you can kind of find uh, all the different things that I'm doing. Um, one thing that, you know, not a lot of people always know about is I do a podcast every, that launches every Thursday with Tony Pauline on Pro Football Network. Um, and then uh, the, the other big thing is just uh, go out and check out the Pack-A-Day podcast as well. Uh, the only 365-day-a-year Packer podcast. I think it's the only 365-day-a-year NFL podcast in any capacity, but I could be <laughs> wrong on that. But it's for sure the only uh, NFL so check out that as well awesome awesome andy thank you for coming on we hope to talk to you again in the future and please keep continue to stay safe 
Yeah, you bet. Thanks for having me. Anytime. Thank you. And guys, give it up for Andy Herman of the Packers Report. We have one last interview for you guys today, and it's with Mr. Jim Wexel of the Steel City Insider talking about the Steelers. But before we get into that, I want to talk to you about another sponsor that we have for this show that we're very grateful to have, and that's Trophy Smack. Commemorate your league winner in the best possible way. There's no other company in the business that does it better than Trophy Smack. They create trophies of all sizes, belts, and rings with a variety of colors, along with free engraving and free shipping. And now you can get a free ring with your purchase of a trophy or belt if you use the promo code BELLYUP. So click on our Trophy Smack link on Twitter or Facebook or go to trophysmack.com and use the promo code BELLYUP on your order today. Welcome back, MD Nation. And on the MD Nation hotline, I have for you guys today, Mr. Jim Wexel, publisher of the Steel City Insider, part of the CBS 247 Sports Network. You can find him on Twitter at Jim Wexel. Jim, thank you for joining the show. How are you today? How is your family? Are you guys staying healthy? Everything is great, Dan. Thank you for asking. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you for coming on to the show. And uh, I'm glad everything is, is healthy with you guys over there. And that's, that's the most important part during this time. Everyone's is uh, getting through that. Um, one of the interesting things, though, is we're starting to see some sports open back up. Some teams are starting to get back at it. Uh, we had even Ben Roethlisberger himself was throwing around with teammates the other day. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little nervous. My daughter's working out with her soccer teammates. Uh, I'm a little nervous. Uh, people are getting back to the gym. I'm reading about gyms. I'm I'm unsure myself. I'm going to keep doing my uh, push-ups and sit-ups until uh, until I see uh, I get a better feel for what's going on. Ben throwing, great. Every, hey, that's you know who could, who couldn't be happy about that? Uh, even even those of us crusty media guys that shouldn't care. We know where our bread's buttered. You know, the the more that team wins, the more interest there is in the Steelers and the more clicks we all get. Oh, yeah, well, I, absolutely. And, and that's the, <laughs> I mean, no, nobody wants to see the offense that was last year, right? We need, we, you need to see Ben out there. We need to see uh, him getting the ball back to Juju Smith-Schuster and getting back to those stars and, and, and really get things flowing, especially, you know, for me coming from a fantasy football podcast, uh, watching the Steelers, was a bit of a disappointment because we had Juju Smith-Schuster taking him in the high second round. We had big expectations for him and for James Conner and alike, and uh, Ben getting back is a big part of that offense. Uh, what, what do you know about his health status as it is? I mean, obviously he's starting now, but the, do you think he's really going to be 100% come week one? See, I'm going to ruin the uh, the vibe you got going oh, with no. the podcast. I'm going to say I'm going to say you know more than I do. <laughs> I am uh, I am uh, just cruising out this one. I'm listening to a lot of music, watching a lot of uh, Zen Master TV on the YouTube, and I'm writing my book. I'm writing a book on Troy Polamalu. Okay. Uh, so uh, you know, I haven't been uh, Twitterizing and uh, watching too many videos, but I hear good things, and hey, you know. Uh, I don't. Uh, I really haven't checked into it. Uh, I've got uh, phone calls coming in uh, on uh, on the Troy matter on the Troy book. Everybody's returning that phone call. Everybody wants to tell me Troy stories. I feel like the, <laughs> I feel like I feel like God has assigned me this book. And the way I put it to people, you know, if you don't call me back, you're missing out on your assignment. <laughs> Everybody's got. You know, this is a book. This is a biography that uh, the universe wants done. Uh, this is a, uh, a kid who struggled early and who did it the right way. And everybody, will, every kid, it should be required reading once this is done for every kid who wants to play sports, boy or girl. 
and and even adults. But you know, this this will be a story of people who did it the right way. And uh, you didn't call me to talk about that, but that's what I'm immersed in right now. And um, I wish I could tell you more about Ben's arm, but all I know is it sounds good to me. Well, I, I'm glad you mentioned that because uh, I mean, I usually at the end of the video interview, I usually have you guys talk about what it is you're working on, and that's that's fantastic to me. <laughs> I can't I can't wait uh, to read that because I mean, Troy Palomalo. I mean, that's that's one of the great iconic players because of his background story, because of where he came from. Uh, so I that I'm definitely glad you mentioned that because that's that's something very much going to uh, look forward to. Because uh, yeah, I mean, not you just he wasn't just a, a transcendent player. Uh, this was a guy who had a great life outside of the field. So that's definitely going to be a great book. And I'm glad that I'm glad you're the one working on that because your work has always been fantastic throughout the years. Uh, and following you on Twitter at Jim Wexel has, has been uh, great as well. Cause I've been doing that as of late. Um, and a lot of great information is coming out of you on a consistent basis, uh, just following you there too. But well, thank you. Oh yeah, of course. And uh, look, as of right now, I, I'm like you said, you're, you kind of have your thumb on the pulse to some degree, obviously, with everything going on. You're not quite as inside, but just your... Oh, no, no, don't be afraid to ask me anything. I've, I've had no, 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 no. questions. Yeah, yeah, I, I take all questions. I don't mean to... Yeah, but I, I'm not as dialed in. And, you know, really nobody is because... No, exactly. You would normally be down there in, in the spring watching some OTAs and not that they show themselves or that we can actually talk much about it, but... It, it gets out what they're doing. And, um, you know, we would, we would at least know for sure that Matt Filers moves the left guard, something like that. You know right. what I mean? Oh yeah. No, and, I was and, leading into my next question yeah. with, with, with you. Cause I wanted to get your opinion on what you think the, the running back rotation is going to be mm-hmm. with, with a lot of talk about that with Connor and, and Samuels and Snell mm-hmm. and now adding in uh, Anthony McFarlane. What do you think of that situation? Yeah. Uh, you have to love it. You know, Connor's in the last year of his contract. Uh, he is not the fan favorite that he has been throughout his whole life in Pittsburgh. Erie McDowell, you know, he is um, uh, not loved. And this might be his first, you know, he's had some motivation, obviously, in the past. This might be the first time he wants to prove everybody wrong. And he's going into the final year of his contract. And the Steelers' stance is that it's not that he's injury-prone. They've been different injuries. It's not like one injury keeps coming up like he's hobbled and it's a chronic issue. So that's their stance. And he is a powerful runner. We've always liked him. But now we begin questioning, geez, uh, you know, what is is the – the cure for cancer due to a body that you can't run through NFL lines. I mean, we all see that that's a pretty brutal thing for a healthy, a completely healthy person to do, oh, let alone yeah. somebody who's fought, fought off cancer. So we wonder, and, you know, the medical community sneers at us for wondering, and so we're not supposed to wonder. <laughs> but you can't help it. You just can't help it. What's this poor guy? What is that? What has happened to his body? Why is he always injured? Well, this is a great chance for him to prove it, and there's really no reason he's not going to be the lead dog. He's going to have every chance to do everything that his mind is driving him through workouts right now, and that's great. And even if he does have a great year, next March the position is so plentiful around the league that the Steelers still could re-sign him relatively, I don't want to say cheap, but it's not going to be like left tackle Al Villanueva if they don't sign him before this season. 
he would have more leverage next March at being a left tackle than a running back. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So you, yeah, yeah I, I know I'm jumping around on you, and I oh, apologize. Good. But to get back to your, your running back question, so James is a lead dog. And I, I, would, I would advise fantasy owners not to worry too much about the so-called committee. We know what Tomlin's history is, and we know that he always says, I don't want to – what's his saying? Uh, what do he do to Willie Parker? Uh, run the wheels off uh, or yeah. something like that. You know, uh, we know that's the kind of coach he is. He'll run the wheels off a running back. So I would say to fantasy users, don't be dissuaded by the high amount of running backs they have. So you asked me to rotation. Uh, you know, McFarland is a dangerous, dangerous runner, and he is going to get his chances. But being a rookie and without a spring, I don't know uh, for fantasy owners uh, if they want to go there too early. That's a guy to keep an eye on a little later. But, uh, you know, because Benny Snell is driven now himself, too. And what if he loses some weight and comes in and, uh, you know, he's got a little potential inside. Can he get outside? That's the question. Can he lose enough weight to make himself quicker to get outside? That would make him more of a three-down back and more viable as a backup of a full. And then you have uh, the, the kid that runs the 4-2, uh, White. Is that his last name, White Kareth? Yes. And, and, you know, so he's, uh, you know, he's got something to prove. He's been through an NFL season, so he could possibly show something. And then Jalen Samuels has a lot to prove, and there's a lot of things that a lot of people like about him. We'll see his pass catching. So it's a really, a really healthy, even Kevin said before the draft, even if, we don't pick a running back. Our running back group is going to be better, and it is, and you know it is, because they're all driven. They're all coming off a bad year. Right. There's a lot expected of Jalen Samuels, and Benny Snell had his chance to do even better. He He's probably satisfied with what he did. I'm really not. I didn't like the way he tried to bounce everything outside and just can't. He can't get outside. Right. He might have a couple times, but he can't. Uh, and you know he's he's not the most fun fun guy to interview for oh, me really? so far <laughs> so far well he's, he said that this this Snell Benny Benny you know he talks in the third person man All right. uh, okay. I don't know everyone else I hadn't seen that he, yet he is he has identified me as a. Uh, Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready maybe a non-compliant guy. Everybody <laughs> hurt crowds around him. So I don't know that he cares much for me, but I want to see more from him. Jalen can do better. Jalen can be a better pass catcher. Kareth White has speed. 
and now Anthony's fun. It's going to be a really good crop uh, for me to guess on how the competition's going to break down, who's going to win it. They're all so motivated. I just just throw them all out there and let's see let's see what happens. There won't be a preseason, and that's where running backs suffer. Right. It's always such a great place for running backs to show, you know, backup running backs to show and make teams and learn to be kick returners and things like that. Pass so blocking. I don't know how all that's going to work out, but one thing I do like is McFarland and um, Connor, so I know there's two backs there. Yeah, I, and I'm glad that you're so positive about it because I feel like I'm, especially in my industry right now, there seems to be this growing narrative that James Conner's on his way out and everybody seems to want to move on for him. Everyone's t- put, marking him as the guy to avoid in your fantasy drafts, and I'm completely on the opposite side. I'm like, First of all, when James Conner's on the field, uh, this is not a scrub. This is a very good running back out there in the NFL, and I've been very positive about that. And to your point, and I'm glad that you brought that up, Mike Tomlin, his history is that he wants to lean on one feature guy. They might sprinkle some guys in there. They might sprinkle Samuels in. They might sprinkle Anthony McFarland in. But at the end of the day, he wants to have that go-to guy and have that established. And to me, as long as he's healthy, that's going to be James Conner. And your point about having cancer a few years ago, each year that he gets removed from that, I believe he has the possibility of getting stronger each one of those years and then therefore may be less injury prone as we go through this process, at least while he's in his mid-20s anyway. So I do think there's a good chance here that Connor has an opportunity to surprise a lot of people. Uh, I tend to believe, especially given this offseason and the way that it's working out, I tend to believe Anthony McFarlane, at least in his first rookie year, will be more of a special teams guy. I, I question how much he's really going to be involved. Uh, to your point, getting in camp, getting uh, practice reps, my big thing is is practice reps in, in pass blocking situations and, and being able to trust him in that. Next to Ben Roethlisberger on third and longs, they trust Jalen Samuels. They trust James Conner. I don't know if they're going to be able to trust Anthony McFarlane before this season kicks off. So I have some questions about that as well, which leads me back to going, I think James Conner is going to get more work. I think it's going to be more of his backfield uh, than people necessarily expect. So very, very reassuring to hear you kind of on the same page uh, with that. If we want to move on to the wide receivers, uh, the big thing here, Juju Smith-Schuster, a lot of talk about what his contract's going to be for the future, a lot of talk about the Steelers possibly not bringing him back. Is this going to be a make it or break it year for him? Boy, I you know he's had, he had a year where he had 111 catches. He's caught two 97-yard TD passes. I, I'm not sure when he didn't make it or break it yet. <laughs> uh, you know he's he's knocked out the bully on the block. He's almost beat New England. He's almost beat the Oakland Raiders. Yes, he fumbled twice and lost two. Uh, yeah, I mean if we're gonna give if we're gonna say he beat the Raiders. When he didn't, and he, he almost beat New England, we should say the two fumbles. Yes. So I don't know if that's the source of the media discontent around Juju, mm. you know, that started before last year, and now he has supposedly proven he can't be a number one. Uh, I do know he was hurting uh, from a big toe to start the year, and then uh, I don't know if it was a calf or uh, a hamstring, I forget, but he was. A high ankle. Uh, he uh, he was hurting in the middle of the year, and then he had to deal with two novice quarterbacks, and that hurt the running game and the line as well. You know, there's a, there's a lot a quarterback calls and checks into and out of in the modern game that these guys were just learning how to do. So to say the running, you know, we blame the running game already, and now we could say we blame Juju and. Uh, you can blame the line. People do a lot of it with the quarterback. 
they're just novices. It's, right. And and they they get, they both played a year and they learned a lot. Yeah. So to give up on either one of them now, I mean it. It's probably easier to give up on Duck, but I don't want to. What did you do last year? I, I like his temperament. I like his. You know, that's the third. That's your third guy. I think, and uh, they're going to be better. So. And and the line's going to be better. All of it's going to be better because the quarterback's going to know what he's doing up there to start with. Not not just can't throw like Ben and, and threaten the safeties from coming up in the box and stuffing the run, but getting everybody on the same page and calling the right play and executing it right. So, you know, it, it's, it's it's something that is not – you're not going to see it that bad again, even if they have to rely on Mason and maybe Duck. Those guys are going to be better. Yeah, and so the wide receivers, yeah, and so the wide receivers, Juju. I, I'm excited about Juju and the the leadership position that Tomlin thrusts him into. You know, he called Claypool. He texted Claypool. They, I I gotta assume Tomlin's behind all that. You know, Ben Ben called Claypool. Ben hasn't been calling rookies over the years. It's mm. not been his thing. He might shoot someone a text, but we had to wait extra long to hear from Claypool because he's talking on the phone to Ben. <laughs> You know, uh, and and he, he said he Juju texted him too, and so that's all. Coaches push young guys into doing that kind of stuff, so that shows you what the Steelers think of him. So to say they're not going to renegotiate because of his stats last year and because of Claypool, they're not a second round pick is not gonna is not gonna factor into any negotiations. No. Now, Juju maybe wanting too much. Um, Juju may be wanting to get to the West Coast. He's Polynesian. He loves L.A. He stayed at home to go to college there. He told me the first week he was here that he resented the Chargers <laughs> and the Rams having him in for a visit and then passing on him. Mm. So, you know, he – and we know Troy has already moved out to San Diego. You know, it's it's – what suits them, right? You know? Right. The, the Pittsburgh weather is not for your yeah. Islanders. <laughs> not what they're used to at all. Uh, that's very, that's very interesting. And I'm glad you bring up uh, Claypool too, because that's kind of the next guy I wanted to, to ask you about. Uh, I'm two questions really with him. Uh, one, do you think he's going to have a legitimate chance to start on the perimeter this season? And two, if he does, is that going to allow Juju Smith-Schuster to operate from the slot where he may be more natural at? Well, I, I, you know, Juju, he he can get outside too. Oh yeah, but yeah. He's, he's in the slot. He's a, he's a hammer in the slot. And boy, they're going to have Vance McDonald and uh, Ebron uh, physical after the catch. James Conner coming out of the backfield. James Washington is physical, and Juju. We're going to have some hammers at wide receiver. You know, Claypool being raved about his physicality. So yes, I think Claypool is going to be the outside guy. Maybe the number four come in and go deep, and then. You know what you do with rookies. You take it from there, right? You know, right. you know if if Claypool, you know, if Ben looks around the huddle, where's my guy? You know, time out. Hey, Mike, you got to get this rookie out there. You know, it's <laughs> up to the quarterback and the coaches. And rookies force you to play them more. So to me, for me to make a prediction right now, especially when he's missing his spring, and who knows how much training camp. Right. Um, and, and, you know, James Washington it really made some strides last year. And uh, Deontay Johnson made some strides. And they brought in a couple of new players that are going to want the ball. And so I don't know all the room that's going to be for Claypool. But uh, 
uh, I would assume by the end of the year he'll be a factor, just my, my guess. Well, I mean, he's the closest thing as far as a physical specimen that we've seen since Martavius Bryant. He had a very successful rookie season uh, as well. Not saying that he's definitely going to have that type of year, but he does have that kind oh, of he, physicality. He might have a better. Yeah. Yeah, it, well, that size with Ben, you know, Ben came here with flexible birth right. and said, Oh my God, I love this team. Right, right. <laughs> and then, boom, Burris was gone. And then, you know, uh, Ben talked them into drafting or, or signing their his six five uh, target at Miami, Ohio. You remember that? Yes. Nance was his last name. Yes. And Ben talked them into bringing him in. And then they stopped bringing in big receivers. And Ben would make these remarks about Antonio Brown when he was a kid. You know, <laughs> they, they got all these little guys. And Ben. Oh, Ben wanted was Plexico again, and then came Martavis Bryant. Yeah, you know when 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 Burris or Bryant start with Ben, Ben's winning percentage is in the eight fifties, something something ridiculous. Okay, and you know so now they've got another one, and this guy, you know, Plexico couldn't really high point. He wasn't a really graceful high point tall guy. He was just tall. Right. And his hands weren't all that great. Claypool, you know, it could be better than both of those guys. Wow. Just what I'm reading, you know, and, and the yeah. soft hands and the ability to get up in high point. It could be really interesting. So that's, that, that's Ben's, Ben's got a big guy again, and it's a perfect way for him to end his career, I think. Yeah, I mean, you're dead on the money. He's always excelled when he has a bigger type of target to go to and be able to bounce off, especially for the deep play. Uh, that's why I like Claypool a lot and think he could be a, a real true sleeper, especially when we're talking about from a fantasy perspective. Uh, just to wrap up the wide receiver position between Deontay Johnson and James Washington, which one do you think will be the probably the second targeted uh, to Juju Smith-Schuster this season? Yeah, I don't know. You know, uh, Wow, that's a good question. Uh, you know, uh, obviously Deontay Johnson showed more in one year than James probably has in two, but I, I'm not counting James out. I, I like him as a ball player. Again, I don't know. I'm not going to make the prediction. Okay. They're both working very hard, I'm sure. Deontay Johnson, they want to get stronger, so it'll be interesting to see how much weight he adds. Um that's all they talked about was how this guy needed to add some weight, just like every other talented small receiver who's come here. And James Washington has lost weight and he's working hard on his farm and he has really strong hands and can really get up and uh, they can all do something really well, which will all hurt Juju's leverage as a, in a negotiation, of course. So right. that uh, I don't, they're both sides of the knife there. <laughs> Well, uh, one of my big sleepers at the tight end position going into this year, one of my deep sleepers, is is Eric Ebron. Uh, my feeling for right now is that I believe he will get the opportunity to start over Vance McDonald, at least in the beginning of the season. Uh, what, do, what do you think about the idea of Eric Ebron having a, a sleeper type of season this year at the tight end position? I would imagine Vance will start. It's a very loyal really? coach okay. to, to his guys. Yeah, yeah. and Vance, Vance makes a lot of money, and a lot of people thought he might get cut. Okay. And the fact that they kept him at that price tells me he's going to he's going to start. But Ebron will be a scorer, yes, uh, red zone, yeah, yes. And I know Claypool will add to that. But as Claypool is a rookie and Ebron is not, I would suspect Ebron will be your first red zone choice. You know, Vance has never been a big red zone guy, right? 
Uh, so I, 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 to follow up what you're saying, yeah, I, I think Ebron will titillate the uh, fantasy players with his red zone ability. Uh, now, I don't know what kind of blocker he is. I hear bad things, <laughs> and that's not going to help his playing time. Right. Neither neither is the fact that they have four good receivers going to uh, help his playing time. So you're you're little little stuck there. I wouldn't go all all you know on Ebron except he can score. He knows how to score, and they're looking for guys that know how to score. Yeah, and then speaking to the uh, you know the big guys with, with Ben Roethlisberger, we haven't seen him really have a tight end that he can go to in the red zone. Uh, I, I would say probably since Heath Miller. Yeah, I was talking to Heath the other day, and I said. Uh, Oh, what the heck were we talking about? Tight ends with speed. Oh, okay. you know, he's, he's hearing sometimes from people that he didn't have speed. And he never <laughs> ran his 40 coming out. And I said, he's, don't let anyone say that. Right. I don't know what your 40 time was, and I don't care. You were. I don't know that you were fast, but you were never slow. You were fast enough. And, and he said, open. yeah, fast enough. Fast enough. That's right. He was, you know, he was <laughs> athletic. And so I said, uh, some he he mentioned a time, and I said, "Yeah, well, I don't know why they didn't draft George Kittle. He ran a four five zero at the combine, <laughs> and he played in black and gold when he was in college." And I went up to him at the combine. I said, "Hey, George, do you like playing in black and gold?" And he wouldn't he wouldn't go for it. Right, right. A lot of guys will 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 tease and say, "I'd love to play for the Steelers." Yeah, yeah, but he he didn't want to limit any option or make any fan base mad. He didn't care. And sure enough, the Steelers passed on him in the fourth round for Josh Dobbs. Mm. And Kittle went in the top of the fifth. And we all loved Kittle. He played in black and gold. He could block. And he ran a 4-5-0 at the combine. <laughs> what the heck is the problem? <laughs> and and Heath, Heath exploded. He said, they passed on him in the fourth round? Are you kidding? Heath <laughs> loves George Kittle. So uh, uh, it's pretty cool talking to Heath about tight ends and, and, and how he is a little – little insecure, maybe, about <laughs> what they're saying about his speed, his legacy, and it's unfair. It's unfair because yeah, it we all know Heath was fast enough. Nobody knows how fast he was. Well, he, he always he got open. That's all, that's all you ever saw in the field. He always got open. He was always a security and blanket. They, I mean, yeah, you couldn't He could ask run anymore. away from people. Yeah. He could run away from people down the middle of the field. He could run. I, I don't know that he was fast, but he sure wasn't slow or neutral. <laughs> uh, excuse me you're talking you're making a book on Troy Palomalo and uh just kind of you know fantasy defenses usually an afterthought Pittsburgh especially after they got Minka Fitzpatrick was an absolute great defense towards the stretch down uh last year make make your case for me why they should be a top five fantasy defense because I believe they might be right there on the cusp next season well, uh, you know, fantasy defense, back when I played in the 80s, yeah. fantasy football, it was just scoring defense. Okay. I don't, and, and that would, special teams would count in that. Yeah. So I don't know that there are any return men that really scare you. Well, you know, Johnson a little bit. And I don't know that they have those kind of playmakers. Well, TJ, yeah, they do. So, yeah, I guess it, they're going to score their share. Yeah. Do, you, do you think Anthony McFarlane will return? I think he will, yeah, but I don't know that he's got the the, the long speed. I, you know, we'll have to wait and see. Okay, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, Deontay Johnson showed a little bit as a punt returner. I know that's mm. that's more important. Kick, kickoffs all go out of the end zone anyway. That's true. Um, 
with the defense, yeah, uh, the question marks. Let's see. Uh, no nose guard. But I suspect, well, Big Dan is always going to be there as a number two guy. But Tyson Alu-Alu, I think, can, can do some chemo von Olhoff and tight nose tackle for them when they need it, and they won't always need it. And especially with two at back, if he is as dominant as he showed early before his injury last year. Right. Um, you may not have to miss that nose tackle. I, boy, you, you just hate to lose Hargrave, a guy that you invested in and you developed into an, a pass-rushing nose tackle who could play tackle for you in, in the in the sub-packages, and then you have to lose him. That's just that, that's life. Yeah. So that's the one thing they're missing. You know, Bud and, and Watt and the rookie will be – Decent pass rushers, and one of the one of the practice squad guys might develop. Um, so outside linebacker is fine. Inside linebacker Vince is fine. Uh, their backup, uh, we all want to see uh, Gilbert because he showed some things. He's got speed. He showed a lot of things last year that were very intriguing before he got hurt. And Spillane, I thought played special teams just as well as Matikavich. I'm not, I don't want to denigrate Matikavich. I don't, but. I think Spillane can be that guy. I, I don't understand all the nervousness about depth at ILB, especially Bush is going to get better. Right. You know, Bush is going to get better. Vince is there, and Brooks uh, might give him some, some dime looks, and, and I would suspect he'll be learning. I thought Terrell Edmonds might be a dimebacker type to replace Barron, but they don't have another safety, and it might limit – their lack of having another safety might limit all the things that – you can do with Minka. Yeah. You know, you, you got to have Ryan Clark back there. So Troy can do his thing. Right. Minka is Ryan Clark. Right. You can't have Minka playing back so Minka can do his things. And Terrell Edmonds isn't doing things yet. Right. So, and, and, you know, I think Terrell can be more of a box guy, but um, who's going to be the deep guy if you're going to do stuff with Minka? I know they want to do more stuff with Minka. And Terrell hasn't shown much coverage yet. This is his third year coming up. So, and he's he's an incredible athlete. He just needs to put it all together. Uh, so uh, that dimebacker spot, I, I, I could be, you know, it won't be as good as Baron. Baron gained some good uh, play. Now, is Steven Nelson going to be as good as he was last year? Wow, what a great find he was. Yeah, really. And Joe Hayden, you, you always worry about an older corner going off the cliff. Uh, Joe has shown no signs yet, right. but I do believe he's going to be 31. And so you, that always makes you a little nervous. And, uh, and but otherwise, the defense is going to be great. Sure, I, yeah. I mean, there's a couple question marks that I'm inventing. So <laughs> just yeah, just uh, be cautious, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, he's here's are things that could go wrong. But you know, if you get two it back for the entire year, that could erase any kind of. Uh, uh, negative uh, you know, losses with Hargrave and things like that. Yeah, I mean, I think they're going to be absolutely great, too. Uh, before we let you go, there's one question that I've been asking everybody that I've been able to have on this show, and that is just what is your personal feeling on the idea of the football season actually being able to start on time this year? Well, that's for smarter people than I. You know, we've got to get the doctors involved and uh, – smart people to figure this out and uh, come up with a plan and have a plan. I don't know that anybody has any kind of plan going on with this stuff yet. 
Yeah. Um, so uh, somebody has to be in charge. It looks like the NFL people are putting a lot of time and resources into it. So they may come up with better ideas than our leaders are coming up with. So, um, you know, uh, maybe football will figure it out. But, wow, you t- I mean, you're breathing on people. You know, those linemen are breathing yeah. in each other's face. Right. So that, that's for smarter people than I. I'm just, you know, just guessing and any kind of answers can be taken as political uh, leaning some way. And right. so uh, I think at the end so of the day, we're I, all just I, hopeful. We're all hopeful. And yeah. We, we all we all want football. And if we don't get football, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to want to read a book. I tell you that. <laughs> Well, at least it's you. So, yeah, uh, with the Troy book, uh, when when can we expect that to come out? Well, I tell you, I self-publish, and that's what you can do now if you have an audience. And uh, you know, uh, for instance, Mike Tomlin's calling me tomorrow at nine for an interview. Okay. This is not something Mike Tomlin does or wants to do, <laughs> but it's i'm i'm being taken seriously and a, a lot of people who would self publish and not have a publisher in advance on this wouldn't get these interviews mm. and these guys all know me though and so you can do it and so i don't have a time i don't have a deadline i just finished up his senior year at usc i have a great draft story i use that as my in my first chapter and uh so the draft is done now i'm ready to start his rookie year and I'm still getting a call back in about an hour from one of Troy's college roommates and best friends. So I'll be patching up the college years. Everybody's just calling back for this. Everybody wants to be part of this. And I have to cut stuff out and I'm writing it in a different fashion. It's, it's gonna, I don't know if you like notes columns. Yes. Uh, every, everybody likes notes columns. Yeah. I think it's going to be a 500 page notes column. On Troy Polamalu and the 2000 Steelers, you know, that decade. Right. And through two championships and stories and stuff nobody's ever heard. And it's just a matter of me cutting it all down and, and leaving some really good stories on the cutting room floor. Well, it's definitely and, better to have more content than you need. That's for sure. Especially when you're trying to write a book like of this, this size with, with this iconic of a player. Exactly. And I don't want to bore people and... No, Troy has not. Um, he has not called back. Uh, Troy and I have a great relationship, and the people who haven't called back are his immediate family. Okay. And I have everybody else. I'm talking mom, dad, brother, sister, Troy, wife. I had an interview with the wife. The tape was destroyed. I don't oh, know if man. Troy did it or God did it or a combination <laughs> of the two. Oh man! <laughs> oh, the shame. As I say, well, Jim, I want to I want to thank you for uh, calling in for doing the interview. I very much appreciate it. Everybody, make sure you're following Jim at Jim Wexel. Great follow again. Publisher of the Steel City Insider, part of the CBS Two Forty Seven Sports Network. Jim, I do hope to have you on the show again at some point. Uh, it was absolutely phenomenal, and uh, good luck with the book. All right, thank you very much. Take care. You too. And that was Mr. Jim Wexel of the Steel City Insider, 247 CBS Sports Network. 
talking about the Steelers. I hope you guys enjoyed this show. thought we had a lot of great content in this one. Another step towards getting you guys prepared. And we're going to be back in two weeks. Remember that. Two weeks, June 12th, we will be back. And we have four teams lined up that we're going to be talking to some insiders from those teams. Now, I will let you guys know, of course, over the next two weeks, if you follow us on social media at BellyUpMDFFShow on both Twitter and Facebook and keep your eyes peeled for when those are going to come out. Now, keep in mind, I don't just do this show anymore. I'm also a host of Belly Up Fantasy Live. If you haven't checked that out yet, please do so. It is now a show that's going to be available on podcast version on any one of your favorite podcast apps as well, but it's also primarily a streaming show. Usually on Facebook, it streams on Friday night, and then it streams again on Tuesday at 8.30. So and I will be on for those shows Uh, I believe June 5th, we're actually going to have an interview with Mike Clay. So if you want to go ahead and check out that show, you want to on Tuesday night at 830 at Belly Up Fantasy. That's where you can check that out at. Or if you want to watch the uh, the live action of it, you can go on Facebook also at Belly Up Fantasy uh, to check it out then about about 830, 9 o'clock or so is usually when we go on. So I am going to be on that show, but I have a lot of stuff to do. It is the summertime. So I have, to t- I have to take one week hiatus from this one, but we will be back June 12th with a, with the third part of the Team Profile series. So make sure you guys are following us along. Make sure you are calling MD Nation Hotline 609-362-2480 and leave your fantasy comment, rant, question, whatever the case may be, and we'll get you on the mailbag as soon as we get on the other side of this Team Profile series. But believe me, I am collecting them. I am answering them. I am helping you guys get prepared early. I want you guys prepared early so when we go into August... We already have a pretty good idea of who we're targeting, and we'll just allow training camp to kind of fill out the blanks and kind of fill out the rest of the variables. I'm hoping to have my projections and rankings up on the Belly Up Fantasy Sports site, www.bellyupfantasysports.com, within the next month or so. Getting pretty close, about halfway done the league, so I'm expecting to be done with that pretty soon. Of course, that will get updated uh, throughout the offseason as well. I hope you guys keep staying safe, keep staying healthy, have a little bit of fun, but don't don't make dumb mistakes in public. Please still keep being safe while going back out into public. So I hope to see you guys all again really, really soon. Everybody have a great weekend. Thank you for listening to Belly Up Sports, MD's fantasy football show. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 